All right, thank you, Dan, and uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, I am so excited uh, to be here with you this morning. Um, I, what a great intro, Dan. I was gonna say a little bit about myself, but I think uh, you stole a lot of that thunder, but no, it's, it's really great to share with you uh, this morning, and for those online, great to have you join uh, with me this morning. So, uh, as Dan mentioned, uh, my name's Ken. I am one of five elders here at uh, our church, CCIC, and as uh, he mentioned, one of the goals, at least my goal uh, as an elder, is to occasionally preach once in a while. And so uh, the last time I was here before you was in March. And so uh, really excited to be here this morning uh, with you and uh, share from God's word. Uh, so I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. And uh, some of you may remember Dan a month ago um, talking about a backpacking trip. So I have a few slides this morning, so I want to encourage you, if you're in the back and you want to actually look at some of these pictures, come forward. Um, but uh, about a month ago, um, uh, Dan, our, our pastor, uh, Brother Wesley, sitting up here in front, and myself, uh, we went on a hiking trip uh, 40 miles out in Sequoia National Park. And part of the goal was to see some incredible scenery. To, for me, it was to go out in the backcountry, um, but also spend some just time with brothers at, in, in our church and, and have a great time. And so um, we hiked 40 miles. In this picture here, you can see Mount Whitney in the back, tallest mountain in the lower 48 states. Uh, this was after a very hard, long hike up um, to about 12,000 feet. So had a great time, uh, great views. I think views and uh, a hike that I will remember for the rest of my life. Uh, next slide. Uh, some of the highlights here. This is on the way back down the mountain. We got to see these incredible canyons, uh, granite on the left, granite on the right, uh, these incredible lakes. Um, and then the picture on the right here, uh, I have never caught a fish in a lake. And so Dan had taught me, and Wesley was a good partner too, uh, you know, Dan uh, teaching me how to fish um, so that eventually, uh, as I'm a fisher of fish, I can become a fisher of men, as he always shares. Um, but no, we had a great time. Dan caught about 20 fish, um, and we had fish for dinner a lot of the nights. And so again, great memories. Uh, I will never forget catching my first fish and what that felt like on that reel. Um, so even in the midst of all these memories, uh, one of the greatest highlights for me, um, and uh, for those that don't know, I'm a dad. I love being a dad, and uh, we have, Ann and I have a, a, a daughter, Callie, who's 11 years old, and I received uh, this surprise in my backpack um, on the second day of the trip. Um, so um, hopefully you can read that. It says, Dear Daddy, I hope you have fun on your trip. I will miss you a lot. I love you so, so much. Love, Kitty. And so uh, for all those new parents out there, Daniel, I see you in the back, Ashley, what you have to look forward to. Um, you know, as your kids grow up. But these are some of the highlights, you know, of the trip and even of being a dad. Um, but it's not always highlights. There's always um, the other side. And so um, as I share this morning, I want to talk about um, a one experience I had with my daughter, um, Callie. And so some of you maybe, um, you know, we're going through COVID and we're in the midst of uh, working from home. And so about a month and a half ago, uh, I had this online meeting with uh, my boss, um, and I hear in the background this screaming, this screaming. I hear my son, I hear my daughter, 
Um, and um, you know, I keep going on the meeting, but, but it doesn't stop. So I, I sh cut the meeting short, and I come out. And I see my daughter on the floor screaming with the laundry spread out. And she also had gotten into the paper shredder um, that we had in the living room, and that was also all over the floor. And in that moment, for a very split second, um, I had this thought of, oh my gosh, you know, what is, what's happening? Um, what is Callie going to be like as a teenager? And, and I had this split second thought of like, oh my gosh, have I failed as a father? So I want to pause right there. I know there's moments where a lot of us, you know, new parents, maybe it's you're tired and, and, and you know, you've been, you haven't had a good night's sleep and the baby's woken you up. Uh, maybe you're at work and you uh, have been working to build up a great reputation and you get a new boss and all of a sudden you have to reacquaint, readjust your reputation. Or maybe um, you're a youth or you're going to a new school and you face challenges of uh, your peers and fitting in. I can tell you the thoughts that came through my head at that moment of, of failing as a father. Um, I think those are common thoughts or common moments that we have in our lives. And as we look at Daniel and look at the scriptures today, I hope that we can have uh, some deep encouragement uh, from this. And so today we're going to talk about uh, Daniel and the king's dream. And uh, I put, highlighted three points here. I know uh, Dan and Daniel always give me, you know, encouragement to have three points, or at least I've heard that. Uh, so we're going to talk about um, the king's dream and his threat. And so in this case, we're talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, we're going to look at Daniel's faith and his response. And then uh, toward the end of the chapter, this is going to be chapter two, uh, we're going to uh, look at some of the texts with regards to a prophecy that Daniel makes about the true king. But before we do that, will you pray with me uh, this morning? God, thank you so much for uh, the great memories and the lows that we experience in life. And for me, for my daughter, and going through uh, some different experiences. Uh, thank you that you encourage us. You've given us the scripture. You've given us the book of Daniel and the example of Daniel himself. Uh, that we may be encouraged here today. So I pray that uh, as we look at the scriptures this morning, uh, you would speak to us through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, this past March, uh, I shared with us from Daniel chapter 1, and I want to uh, do a little bit of a recap uh, from that chapter. Um, I don't expect everyone or anybody to remember what I said, um, so I wanted to at least just talk about it and for you history buffs out there, um, you know, there's a lot of historical context that's happening in chapter one. And so um, if you may recall, um, Babylon is a great empire, one of the greatest empires in, in at least uh, history. Uh, Babylon had conquered Judah and uh, Daniel was uh, in Judah. Judah is what is today, modern day Syria and Palestine today. And Babylon was a strong empire that had uh, moved across um, and conquered Judah and then even down into Egypt. And, and uh, through that conquering, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, led a, a, a tremendous uh, empire uh, at the time. And at the time, part of that empire um, conquering involved taking the best looking uh, young 
royalty that uh, were in line to inherit the, the king uh, for those conquer, conquered kingdoms. And that included Daniel and his friends. So Daniel was about 13, 14 at the time. Um, and they were taken in. They were taken away from their families. Uh, they were taken away from their culture, taught a new language, uh, and were uh, given some training in the Babylonian ways. And so Daniel had started this training. And um, you may recall he uh, goes through this tension with one of the guards in this training. And uh, the guards offer uh, Daniel and his friends the best food for, for the kingdom of Babylon. And that included, for Daniel's faith, um, unclean food. And so Daniel takes a moment, um, uh, befriends the guard, and asks the guard, hey, give this a try. Can I just eat vegetables for a couple weeks and let, let you know, take a look at how we're doing? And, and, um, and so, he, so the guard does that. And um, Daniel, in his Jewish faith at the time, uh, was really um, confident in who God was, the Jewish uh, God Yahweh at the time. And um, that was really important to him as he was going through his training. And so you see uh, through chapter one, God rewards Daniel with wisdom, understanding. And then at the end, even uh, through the timeline, Daniel outlasts uh, the king, uh, the Babylonian kingdom here. And so um, some of the things I want to just remind us as we're going through chapter two, um, keep in mind how uh, King Nebuchadnezzar treated his people in chapter one through that conquering. Uh, keep in mind how Daniel responded uh, with his faith, faith and how God responded as a result of that. Because I, I can tell you, this is a spoiler alert, uh, there is some repetition in here in chapter 2 as well as the rest of Daniel. And we know that when there's repetition in the Bible, as uh, Dan and Daniel mentioned, there's significant meaning behind that. So... Uh, let's uh, start looking in chapter 2. So the first point here, the king's dream and his threat, and uh, this is King Nebuchadnezzar. And so Daniel chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, please uh, follow along. Uh, this is uh, verse 1 here. So now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And so this is part of his training, Daniel, the second year out of probably a three-year training. And Daniel's about 13, 14. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Uh, the king couldn't sleep. He was anxious. Then the king gave orders to call in the soothsayers, the priests, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. And so these represented, at the time, of all the kingdoms that were conquered by Babylon, uh, those that were spiritual, those that had, uh, at the time, were known to have a deep spiritual connection uh, with those kingdoms. And so these were priests. They, there's a talk about magicians. So they're not magicians who pull a rabbit out of a hat. But these were those that were of high regard with regards to the connection of uh, the spiritual world. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream. My spirit is anxious to understand the dream. The next verse, uh, verse 4. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. So the Chaldeans were known uh, to be uh, deeply smart, uh, the brightest uh, of that uh, empire, uh, deep astrologers. So the Chaldeans told, asked the king, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. 
The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. So let's slow this interaction down a bit. You have these spiritual people that are of high regards, and the king is asking, tell me what my dream it was and interpret it for me. And they start out with flattery, oh, live forever. Um, But they know that this is a little bit of an impossible task because they don't know what the dream is. And so they turn to the king and ask, well, tell us your dream, we'll interpret it for you. Um, But the king is firm, it says, his command is firm. Uh, The king wants to know what is this dream and what does it mean? Uh, And if you don't tell me, I'll kill you. And so you see this if you look at the the next uh, slide here, this repetition in uh, this first part of Daniel. In fact, the interaction between uh, those spiritual advisors and the king uh, at least four times here, uh, the king threatens death. You can see um, that the dream was this anxious and um, threatening thought. And so for any of the uh, leaders of these big empires, um, they worried about the, the longevity of their kingdom. Um, and so uh, the king threatened death. Uh, he threatened destroying their villages, their families, and asked for the impossible. And the response that was given here from this spiritual people that that's even beyond us. That only got the gods could, could determine that. And so you can see here that the king has asked these wise people an impossible task, one that um, no one could answer. And in fact, it was almost certain death that would have resulted here. Let's keep going. Um, we're going to explore how the wise men, in this case, Daniel and his friends, respond to that threat. Um, we're going to look at Daniel's faith. So. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 14. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard. So I want to pause here. You can see that Daniel replied with discretion and discernment. That was a very similar response to chapter 1 when Daniel befriended the guard. And so here you have Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who was tasked to go out and kill the wise men of Babylon. And so um, Daniel goes to the guard and and asks, he said to Arioch, the king's officer, for what reason is the decree from the king so harsh? Then Arioch informed Daniel of this matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him a grace period so that he might declare the interpretation to the king. So what's happening here? Daniel's asking the guard who's tasked to kill him, Why is the king so harsh? Um, And then they explain what's going on. And then Daniel goes before the king to ask, in this case, for a grace period. Just like Daniel did in chapter 1 when he asked to eat vegetables instead of meat, Daniel here goes before the king uh, with confidence and asks for some time. Again, his life could be threatened. That that would have been enough for the guard or for the king to kill Daniel, but... Uh, In this case, Daniel asked for some time. So let's keep going. Uh, Verse 
17. So Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, about the matter. So he goes to his friends so so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his friends would not be killed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel here turns to his friends, Christians, people that of similar Jewish faith uh, as Daniel, and they plead to the God of heaven. They plead to God. They, at this point, they don't know the dream. They don't know uh, what will happen. Um, but they have faith. They have faith in God that God would respond. And so they go to God, and they ask, and they pray um, so that they all could be saved. And in fact, not just them, all the wise men of Babylon would be saved. And so we, uh, later on in this chapter, we find that Daniel receives a vision at night. He understands the dream, that God responds. And how does Daniel respond? Daniel praises God. He praises uh, God as, as the king in heaven. And then he also uh, sees that God has given him wisdom and power. And so verse 24, Daniel goes back to the guard, Ariach, whom the king had appointed to kill the wise men of Babylon. And he went to him say, and said to this, this to him, do not kill the wise men of Babylon, take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation of the king. So one thing to note here, if the king's angry at this point, and all of a sudden you have this vision this, that God has given you, um, I know I would, I'd be, king, here it is, here it is, I have the answer. Um, but what does, what does Daniel do? Daniel goes to the king and says, hey, I have the interpretation, but he does something different here. In fact, in this interaction with the king, he doesn't right away give him a response. Remember, he asked the king for some time. And um, we, we see this interaction here. So verse 25, Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel to the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And Daniel answered before the king and said, note this, as for the secret about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, sorcerers, soothsayer, priests, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, verse 28, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. So I want to pause there. He goes to the king and says, and basically says, you know, all these wise men that you've raised and you've captured, you know, God is bigger than that. You know, God is the one who has revealed this dream. It's, it's not any of these people. So it's not even me, Daniel, uh, that has the wisdom to this, but only through God in this case. He acknowledges God. And he says, this was your dream and the visions in your mind while you on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he also, and he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living person, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king so that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. And so he's basically giving God credit 
for everything that Dan Daniel's about to tell the king. His faith is strong. He knows God is in control. And so um, that is how Daniel responds to this threat. So um, taking a step back and looking at verses 14 through 30, um, wanted to kind of summarize the interaction here. So Daniel speaks tactfully with the king and the guard, again, repeated in verse chapter 2, like we saw in chapter 1. He asked for time uh, with the potential threat of his life. He collectively goes to his friends and asks, hey, let's pray um, as, as a body together. And then God answers and reveals the dream in a vision, uh, for which then Daniel praises and proclaims God um, and the wisdom and power that comes through God. And then he goes back to the king and challenges the king. And so very interesting interaction when it comes to a very uh, hopeless and helpless, impossible situation uh, that Daniel kind of works through um, uh, compared to the other uh, spiritual people. Let's keep going. Uh, so this next section talks uh, deeply about the dream and the true king. And so verse 31, it says, You, O king, were watching, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary radiance, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, great value. Uh, at the time, gold was very, very valued like it is today. Its chest and its arms of silver, also a very precious metal here. Its belly and its thighs of bronze, and its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. So you see the statue. He's interpreting this dream to, to the king. Um, and go, it goes through these four uh, different types of metals, precious metals. Verse 34, you continued watching until a stone was broken off without hands. And let's uh, remember that stone. That's important in this dream. And it struck the statue on its feet with iron of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed to pieces all at the same time. And they were like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And so uh, the term chaff, you may recall, through the Old Testament, it's a very um, agricultural uh, environment. And so when you have wheat and, and you, you take the good part, uh, you, you smash the, the wheat on the floor, it separates uh, the chaff, which is the outer covering of, of the wheat, and then the wheat itself. And so in this case, the statue, the metals, they were like chaff uh, on the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, swept them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the entire earth. Verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it itself, it will itself endure forever. Just as you saw that a stone was broken off from the mountain without hands and that it, it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is certain and its interpretation trustworthy. So let's talk about this dream for a second here. We see that 
Uh, in this passage, it goes through four very precious metals, and, and a lot of biblical scholars here consider this one of the most powerful prophecies that are made. Daniel makes this prophecy of four kingdoms that are to follow beyond King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. In fact, uh, through this dream, in some ways, he's saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, our kingdom is going to be destroyed. And in fact, four kingdoms beyond are going to be destroyed. Um, then he talks about the stone uh, that destroys the statue and fills the earth. And that, uh, in this chapter, in this uh, book, uh, is foretelling uh, both the coming of Christ ahead and even that the true king, our God in heaven, uh, will rule over these four kingdoms. And so Daniel makes this prophecy here before uh, the king. And uh, later on, not in chapter 2, but later on, we find out that the king is true to his word. He, he gives Daniel part of the kingdom to rule and also to his friends. So I want to pause here and go back to uh, my story about Cali. I had walked away um, from Cali because it was a lot of noise, a lot of screaming, and a big mess. I didn't know what to do. Uh, the thought of failing as a father had crossed my mind. I stepped away for five minutes, and I came back. And uh, I sat with her, let her calm down, and eventually she had told me what was wrong. In fact, if for those of you that have multiple kids, I have a brother, and I get this completely. Uh, it was an issue she shared of sibling rivalry, and in fact, her brother had gotten his way with something. And so here, Callie profoundly tells me, you know, he always wins. He's always getting his way. And for the next 10 minutes, we have this conversation about what it means to win. In fact, you know, I tell her it's not about the outcome, but about the response. And in a very similar way that, that God has shown here through Daniel and his response, you know, um, I was reminded in that moment that, um, you know, she had uh, heard me. You know, in fact, she, she had gone and cleaned up the mess uh, very quickly. And you could see this light in her mind that had come out, turn, turned on, and she was okay. She got it. She understood. And in that moment, I felt that God reassured me. She, he gave me this reassurance as a father. You know, in that, you know, split second. I didn't have the words to say, but he gave me this reassurance that, hey, Ken, you know, as a father, you know, I'm with you. Uh, much in the same way that God was with Daniel uh, in this passage. So, uh, on the next slide. So, what does that mean for us? You know, I, many of us face impossible tasks. Many of us face impossible decisions. That boss that is now your boss after 14, 15 years of your career that's now overseeing your work and, and, and uh, in some ways attacking you. That new school that I go to or you go to, and now you have to make new friends. Seems like the impossible task, right? We're always faced with that. But what is the encouragement today here from Daniel? Uh, let's, let's keep going here. Um, in the New Testament, in Philippians, Paul tells us uh, here, chap uh, chapter 2, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Basically, God is going to reign. 
the God that Daniel talks about here, the true king that's going to outlast these four kingdoms, is going to reign. And he is the same God that we worship today. Um, the government that we see around us, our God is bigger than that. The uh, worry at work, the boss, the school worry, our God is bigger than that. And so as we look ahead from here, uh, there's a few things I want to kind of just talk through. How can we be encouraged today through Daniel, through his response to King Nebuchadnezzar? Um, we are encouraged because our God is bigger than any earthly kingdom that we will be alive to see. Um, our response when we're faced with the impossible, we have an example through Daniel. Um, he had gone to meet with his friends, his brothers, and in a very similar way, we have the church body here this morning. We have the church body with us today. And even beyond the walls of this church, you have other brothers and sisters with you to help encourage you um, in our response. And sometimes, or one thought I, I want to kind of expand here, um, you know, it's easy um, to be frustrated in the moment when we face impossible things. I get that. Those feelings are real. My feeling of feeling like I had failed as a father at that moment in time was a real thought in my head. Uh, but what, was, what I'm encouraged by here and, and what Daniel um, has shown through, through the book is that I can have a different response, that the God of, that's over all the kingdoms is the God that's with me through that impossible moment. And then the third uh, point here, God rewards our faith. And um, in the first chapter, God had, you know, shown Daniel uh, uh, wisdom and knowledge and befriending the guard and, and, um, and, and outlasting uh, the king uh, in chapter one. We see that God rewards Daniel's faith in chapter two. Um, Later, his friends are given part of the kingdom to rule, and in, that, in some ways, that's God's blessing continuing through, through the lineage. And so um, God is with Daniel and rewards uh, his faith as well. And so this morning, I know that um, I will continue to face difficult situations with my daughter or my son um, as a parent. Um, you will continue to face uh, what seemingly is impossible decisions or moments in your life. But I hope that we could be encouraged here with, with Daniel, with the example, and with uh, who God is uh, in this uh, chapter. Can we pray? Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much uh, that you are the God uh, above other kingdoms. You are the God above uh, the kingdoms here that we see on this earth today. And when we face impossible decisions, when we face impossible tasks, uh, sometimes those thoughts of uh, feeling like a failure creep in. But thank you that you give us a different choice. You give us a, 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 a faith um, that we can turn to you, that we could turn to each other, um, that you, we know that you are with us. And in those moments uh, when we don't know the outcome, we know that you are there and you are powerful and you are with us. And in those ways, um, I pray that we would walk ahead with faith um, as we go out from here. I pray that we would know that you're with us all the time, and we would be encouraged uh, through that. In Jesus' name, amen.